Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. Your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show and happy Friday. It's going to be a super fun show today with someone you likely know very well, but who has never been on this show before. Dan Bongino is here. I am so, so happy to be talking to Dan Bongino today. He's a former NYPD officer turned secret service agent who put his life on the line defending Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama. When he left the Secret Service, Dan crossed over into the journalism space, where he has become one of the top podcast hosts in America. His quick wit and fiery commentary have won him plenty of fans and, of course, know-nothing detractors. Recently, he parted ways with Fox News, and we'll get into that, plus the state of journalism, and 2024 as we get ready for what we believe will be an imminent Ron DeSantis announcement. Dan's got thoughts. Welcome to Dan Bongino, host of the Dan Bongino Show. Great to see you, Dan. Hey, good to see you too. I haven't seen you in, in eons. We did an interview at Fox when you had the Nine Show when I wrote my first book, and that's the last time uh, I've seen you. So I know I reached out. You're a great interviewer. I haven't been able to do these interviews. I said, you know what? If I'm going to do one, Darn it, we're going to do the Megyn Kelly show. So now Aww. here we are. I'm honored. I've been trying to talk to you forever, but you couldn't when you're on, <laughs> under contract with Fox. They won't let yeah, anybody yeah. come talk to us. But I'm so happy you're a free agent now and I can talk to you whenever yes, I want, and vice versa. Um, I guess that's as good a place to start as any place. Um, you're gone. Tucker's gone. Um, you know, there are a lot of questions over there now about what Fox is doing, because they also cut ties with people like Laura Trump. And um, a lot of people wondering whether Fox is doing this intentionally without owning the fact that they're trying to cleanse themselves of people who were openly supportive of Trump or MAGA world or, you know, the the new MAGA Republican Party that they're trying to get back to their, quote, establishment yeah. roots. Do you? What do you think? You know, I got a lot of thoughts on this. First, I want to hit this point. I think there are a lot of people, not just at Fox, but in the media in general, who really don't understand new media. And I use you for an example. I actually used you on my show. It was about two weeks ago or so. I did a whole segment on your show because um, I didn't want to make the story about me. And I said, you know, it's bizarre. They're writing, uh, nobody can survive outside of Fox. They said, look at Megyn Kelly, who hasn't done much since. And I shook my head. I'm like, what a bunch of morons. Do they not understand? So I understand the podcast space and I watch yeah. our rankings because I'm super competitive about everything. 
I know the audience you have. I can reasonably guess it. It's enormous. That, that, forget even social or anything like that. I'm just talking about strict downloads and watches, right? So I'm reading these articles about how Glenn Beck, oh, man, it's over for Glenn. Bill O'Reilly finished. Megan hasn't done anything. That Dan Bongino and Tucker, they're going to be finished. And I'm thinking, these people really don't get it. And I, I, I'm talking about media in general, but I'm not sure some people at, at Fox really understand that. Uh, you know, they were good to me. I'm not going to knock them to me. The Tucker thing, I think, obviously was an enormous catastrophic mistake. I have friends over there still. I enjoyed my time. I love them to death. And I'm not telling you anything I haven't told them. I just don't think they understand that a lot of people in cable news, Megan, are fighting yesterday's war. They beat CNN and it's over. That fight has been number one for 20 years. They're not the problem now. You're the problem. Podcasts, mm-hmm. Rumble, YouTube. Twitter with Elon. That's the problem. The space has been totally disaggregated right now. People can go put Megyn Kelly in a search engine and watch your show a thousand different ways. They can watch clips on Twitter. People spread it around. And I did this whole thing on my show and I did a simple internet search of Megyn Kelly. I'm like, wow, totally irrelevant. They only wrote about her 10 times today. I'm like, what (laughs) what kind of idiot thinks? And again, you're in my time slot. So I didn't care. I really loved the whole parallel media system. And I don't give a damn. I want to see you succeed and everyone else. But I just think, number one, it was a huge mistake because they may say to themselves, with Tucker at least, getting back to that specific thing, oh, you know, no sweat. Don't worry about it. You know, where's he going to go? Well, the answer is it doesn't matter. Wherever he goes, people are just going to go find him like they find you on Sirius, the Internet, Rumble. It doesn't matter. The whole system's been broken apart. And I really think, just to wrap this up, for Fox's sake, because again, I have friends over there. And Megan, for as many issues as you and I may have, we need Fox. We need a healthy, conservative alternative. And Newsmax is doing great, not knocking them. Their audience is exploding. But it's still, even with people leaving Fox, isn't Fox's audience, we need them healthy. What are we going to do? Watch MSNBC or CNN? They need to explain what happened with Tucker. You can't leave this out there in the ether because people are filling in the blanks and saying because of A, B, C, D, you know, X, Y, Z and filling in their own reasons. They got to explain this or I think that the problems are going to continue. Well, Fox is in no danger of going out of business, but they're being taught a lesson right now by a very angry audience. And I support the lesson. You know, they've gotten too big for their own britches. They think they're the Fox News of 10 years ago, and they're not. They're on the way down. They're not on the way up anymore in terms of audience share and popularity, and they no longer have a monopoly for all the reasons you just stated. So some humility would serve them well right now in understanding their audience is their business. That is their entire business. You you thumb the middle finger at those people, your business is over. They're your bosses. And to not even show them the courtesy of an explanation on their favorite host is absolutely disrespectful. And the audience is punishing them. It's punishing the whole prime time right now. And I think they're going to continue punishing the eight. They're, they're now reportedly moving Hannity to eight, and they're going to put Jesse at nine, and they're going to put Gutfeld at 10. Laura moves to seven, according to the Drudge Report. I don't think that's smart right now because the audience likes Sean. He's been there for years. I know he's a good friend of yours. Um, And I I like Sean too, but they're, they're punishing Fox. So don't take one of your biggest stars and line him up for punches in the face because he's going to get it too. He is going to get it next. And it's just not setting anybody up for success. 
No, you're right. I mean, I, like Will Kane, for instance, was on this week. Everybody loves who doesn't like Will Kane. I mean, he's, he's, he's a, a good Will's guy. an impossible guy to not like. But the yeah. ratings are still not great. So your assertion there is absolutely correct. They're clearly not targeting them specifically because some shows have done okay. Like people and the five seems to be holding up reasonably well, but I, they the really do time. need to provide some kind of an explanation. It's just, it's not going to work to keep it out there like that. That this didn't happen. Cause I think a lot of people think this may be some kind of anti-Trump thing. I got to say, I, I don't, that wasn't my case. My, my deal with Fox, I haven't told the story anywhere else. You get the first kind of crack at this outside of what I said on my podcast, but I, I was not targeted. My show, they were dying to, re-up for the, we negotiated for an entire year. Um, so that I can't tell you like, oh, Fox got rid of me because they didn't. That's not, the liberal, you know, jerkwads are going to, oh, Dan Bongino was fired. I just give them the middle finger. It's just stupid. They're just making it up. I was there. I negotiate my own deals. I don't have an agent. I do my own business deals. I don't need an agent. I do my own business, right? They wanted the show. I just had a different vision for my role at the network and that's okay. I was not, I'm not the Saturday guy, Megan. I'm sorry. I can't work six days a week. I've got, I've got mm. young kids and I'm not working six days a week. And even though we recorded the show on Friday, you know, the inside baseball of Fox, what happens when there's breaking news, which with Trump out there is all the time, yeah, you got to be on. So I'm on a boat with my friend. I'm having a few adult sodas, maybe one too many adult sodas, not driving the boat. Don't worry about it. And all <laughs> of a sudden you get a call. Hey, there's a balloon from China. We got to go live. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure I'm in any condition to go live, but I'll give it a shot. And, um, you know, I mean, we not that I ever went on the air, but listen, it's hard. So yeah. I couldn't do it. And I said, I'm sorry, like, that's not going to work out. So I definitely was not fired. Liberals are just making that up. But with the Tucker thing happening, a couple of people, you know, people call you and stuff. And I was definitely, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't want to put lipstick on this thing, but I'm not the easiest guy to deal with, Megan. I'm like a major PETA pain in the, you know, you can figure out. The, I, I just am because I've got my own stuff. I've got my own investments. I've got Rumble. I've got my podcast, my radio show. And the thing I think your success out there on your own has bought you is freedom. Money buys freedom. Yeah. I hate to say it, but it's true. I know you're not in this strictly for the cheese, but let's be honest. You know, it buys you freedom. And I was in a position with them where I could walk away from a show on Fox and say, I'm sorry, that's not my vision. And, and it's different. But someone told me later that, you know, in the end, it probably they weren't that eager the last few weeks to make this thing work uh, because, you know, you, you could be a little aggravating to work with. And, and that, they're mm -hmm. not wrong. And that's OK. Maybe I'm not mm -hmm. a company guy in that respect. I'm sure they're but, regretting uh, it now. I'm just not. I mean, it's like I've got to. Yeah, you're, you're one of the people they could have slid into that eight o'clock time slot and won back over those angry viewers. So, I mean, talk about not planning out into the future when you make your employment decisions. But you and I both know, Dan, the truth is 95 percent of the people who are on those cable news lineups right now would do anything to be in your slot or my slot right now that they want what we have. They want to get out of the thumb um, from underneath the thumb of these big corporate cable giants who dictate what they can say, who they, most of them know the vast majority are platform players. They don't think that they could make it out here without the support of the Fox News digital platform and the, you know, the, the cable channel and so on. So it's not available to everybody. But even many of the stars over there will text me and say, like, 
I'm so envious because you can do it on your own terms. And people, you say that we're on the same time. Nobody even knows that. They just download the Dan, Dan Bongino show. That's what I do. Right. And they can listen to you. They can listen to me. You can listen to it on two point speed so you can get it fast. Way more information than you would get if you were just sitting there watching freaking cable all day. Yeah. You are so spot on to your audience. Megan's not lying. I get these texts and phone calls all the time from people from other networks too. And they say yep. the exact same thing. How do I do that? Do what? Get out on your own, establish a rumble, a YouTube, whatever you want to do. Go out there and do your own show that you run, that you sell, that you have maybe a sales agent with at best, but you are in the editor, editor in chief of your own show. You run your own business. And very few people would trade the other way. Now, Having a show on Fox or Newsmax is still nice. There are still people who are not that tech savvy. I mean, my my dad, he admitted himself. And I had to coach him through Rumble. It's not complicated, mm -hmm. but he's used to turning on what I call, Megan, the one button problem. The advantage yeah. Newsmax and Fox still have over us is there's a generation of 40 plus, me included, who some of us are not that tech savvy. They are used to one button. They keep Fox mm -hmm. or Newsmax on all day and they hit power. I call it the one button problem. The problem with Roku and other things, it's not a problem for the kids. They know exactly what to do. Bang, bang, bang. They're done. Easy. A lot of folks our age, they, you know, they're not used to that. Oh, what do you mean? I got to go to an app. Where do I find that? And they give up. That's going away. In 10 years, that'll be a non-issue with smart TVs. The grandkids come over and show them one time and they're good. So that's where people like you and I on our own, and you got the people at the Daily Wire who are doing their own thing. That's when I think the cord cutting is going to be apocalyptic. I think they're, they're going to be down potentially, maybe Fox and others. You're going to see audiences, and you know numbers better than anyone, demo numbers below 200, you know, nightly numbers below 2 million. I mean, for shows that we're doing three and a half and 4 million on a regular, on garbage nights, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years ago. I mean, your show, three and a half million was like, oh man, that's a bad night, whatever. That's going to be your high. And that's the problem traditional cable news is going to have. And I think that's why I'm the most upset because, again, I still have friends over there and things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively young, 48. I mean, with all this stuff going on yeah. these days with health and fitness, you live to your 2,000 years old. <laughs> I mean, I could have been there for 20, 30 years. And Megan, honest to God, how many of us can do this? You just kind of hinted at it before. How many people can go out on their own and draw an audience of millions a day? The answer yeah. is, I would argue to you, in the conservative political talk ecosystem, there's probably less than 10 people in the United States that can do that right now. And the numbers back it up. And when you get one of them, damn it, don't let them go. That's just, that's just bad business. Yeah, I agree. And like Tucker's a much bigger, bigger threat to them now on the outside. He will draw audience. And if he pops his show up live, like on Rumble or someplace else at 8 p.m., <laughs> then it's on. Then it's truly like game on because people will figure out how to download Tucker there. He's got Arden fans and it's a different situation even from when I left Fox because I had a year at NBC and then I had a year on my couch. He's going right from the prime time with his audience and love to boom, he's going to be popping up on your screen. So I think his audience will follow him. We just don't know exactly when because he's still in the middle of his legal dispute with Fox. Uh, but it is wonderful to have the freedom. I have to say, I would never change it. People ask me all the time, even with Tucker gone, people are not paying attention are like, do you want to go back? Do you want Tucker spot? I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> There's not enough money in the world. I walked away from that deal the first time I used to have yeah. those slots. I, I said, no, and I don't want fact. this. 
That's yeah, not an opinion. Fact. That's a fact. No, that's why I get well so documented. annoyed when I see all these dopey liberals tweeting how I got fired. I, right. like I said, I still got friends, but that's just factually inaccurate. That is totally, yeah. re- my show was number one on Saturday night by far. It wasn't even close in the demo and overall in primetime. I mean, we were destroying everyone across the board. Yeah. Why would you walk away from that? The answer is because what you just said, there is a premium on freedom, not just for content, but just being able to like now we, ha- you know, you can go in, you can tape a little bit of your show. You could get a good interview. You want- you don't have that luxury with a lot of these places. They're on their schedule, not yours. And, you know, just, you know, for you and I to be able to do all this, control the content, say what you want. You know, you, you drop an S-bomb once in a while in your show. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about FCC stuff or anything like that. It is. It is the greatest life. And that's why to your audience and my audience, I can't thank you enough for supporting Megan's show, my show, new media in general. This is absolutely the future. And you are way ahead of the curve in content uh, consumption on that side. It's exciting. And, and you can't have a conversation like this on cable news, Dan. You know, it's no. like seven minute segments. If that we some nights on the Kelly file, I would spend an hour getting ready for a particular segment in the, you know, the blocks. And um, it would be a three minute block. I'm like, I spent an hour preparing for a three minute block. I got two questions out to the guy. <laughs> and it was yeah. over. There's just, it's just such thin gruel. Whereas in this, can I let you know a little secret with that? Because I I don't talk about this much on my show, but with you, because you totally get it. You're a very, very good interview. I watched your show. I've been watching Fox 20 years. I watched it every night. I watched you during the daytime at night. You, it's a skill. I'm not just kind of glossing you up. It's true. Interviewing people's a skill. And I don't say this to be funny or self-deprecating for effect. I mean, I suck at it. I'm just not good at it. (laughs) I don't know if it's because I don't give a damn what people say. I do. I'm just, I suck. And I, I'm not good. And you look at, I had to learn the skill. You look at like a Howard Stern, who although the politics went off to the left, I grew up on Stern. Stern was never that good of an interview. You know, you know if he wasn't asking a question about a woman doing something crazy, like it wasn't an interesting interview. And as he got older, his interviews got amazing where he's interviewing some guy who sells bagels on the corner. And you're like, Holy crap. This is the greatest interview. I didn't know that went into bagels, you know, and you had that skill. I had to learn it because my, if you go back and watch, I was on for two years. You watch my first few shows. The interviews are just cringy. I'm not even asking questions. I'm just giving them answers. I'm like, Hey, conservatives are really great. Governor DeSantis, right? You're really great too. Just tell us. I mean, it's really cringy. So I had to learn you. I think it's because you're a lawyer and you're good at the back and forth. I sucked so bad at it. At the end, I got a little bit better, but man, you it was are being hard very work. hard on yourself. I'm it's I just am a True. learner, really. I'm a learner for life. Like I I I want to be a learn it all. So if you get an interesting guest like you, it's easy, right? The the tough interviews are the people who don't want to give anything up and treat it like a deposition. And then you're like, oh my that. God. I always say if you or hear the me talking answer, the whole hour. Right? That's what you're talking to him about. The, is AI going to kill everyone on planet Earth? You wrote this interesting piece about it, sir. Explain. Yes, they will. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else to add, please? Because this on. is two minutes we got to kill. That, that's that's <laughs> the worst interview of all. But you've got to like go in there, you know, macho man, savage style and rip out of them. <laughs> Every single word, you're like, please, God, just answer a question with more than three words. That's happened to me a couple of times, too. So many times. So bit cringy. Or you've got certain guests who are like the king or queen of the non sequitur. Like you've asked something direct, like, what's your favorite fruit? And they're like, well, the couch was built in 1940. And then we exchanged it for and you're, and you're like, oh, over here, dear. If you could just uh, yeah, if you could, over here, right here. 
follow the shiny red object. It's happened to me too. And then you get these gems. Like we used to have Henner Gracie. He's a mixed martial arts fighter, expert in ground fighting. This guy was phenomenal. We'd bring him on every time there was one of these crime videos. You know, oh, here's this woman. She's horribly getting beaten up in the cell phone shop. That happened. How do you defend yourself? This guy comes on. Megan, all you had to do was turn the mic on. Henner, just show us what to do. It would be the greatest three minutes of your life. And you're like, I love oh, that. man, I would try to fit this guy into any show. He's a jujitsu guy. Yes. And it'd be a yeah. thing about voter ID in Georgia. I'd be like, Henner, was there a fight at a voting booth in Georgia? Can you come on and demo that for us? He was so good. Those oh guests God, are just, gold. Can I tell you? So we, we, um, I take a two week vacation with my family every June. The kids are off from school and we go someplace big. And the first week we offer, um, like, a, ta- a week of tape shows. They're new. They're it's fresh content, uh, but it's on tape since I'm traveling, and uh, we're taping those right now. And we did one on MH370, and you know the missing Malaysian airplane. And yeah, guy, oh yeah, from years ago. Yeah, Dan, I was like, I didn't speak. I said two words the, the whole podcast. It was like <gasps> he walks you through what? exactly right? how he thinks it went down, and exactly what he thinks happened to the passengers, and how. None of us spoke. I didn't draw a breath. It was like, oh my God. I t- I've already told my friends, you got to listen to this gold. when I'm gone in June. It's like the best content. That is, it's TV gold when you get somebody like that. And they put you in the story, you know? It's like you're there. Like you're walking through, like, oh, that must have been terrible on that play. Like you're there. And, but that's like the Stern story, right? Because I grew up on the guy. Again, he was so terrible. But he'll get these people to talk about anything. Like, you think yes. a story like that, right? That story's what, 10 years old? I mean, I did a Fox right. hit on that in DC when I lived in Maryland. I'm out of Maryland. 14, yeah. years. And I remember they asked me to come, you know, you know how TV works. So like, you're a Secret Service guy, right? Uh, yeah. Can you talk about the downed Asian airliner? Uh, why? why? <laughs> I don't, you flew on a plane once, right? Okay. And you know, back then you're desperate to get on TV for anything. You run it for office. You're like, sure. And I'm talking about it. this freaking airliner. I don't know squat about it. And you know, you don't say no to anything. Then towards the end, I didn't, then towards the end, you know, when you're an actual host there, you know, this is true. They're getting like some serious behind the scenes Fox stuff here. When you're a host, tell me I'm wrong. You don't want to do any hits for anyone ever. People call, Mm -hmm. unless it's like a personal call from Sean. It's a favor. You're like, I can't do it. Cause you're like, I can't, I just cannot go on. I'm so tired and you don't want to do hits ever. And you have enough airtime. Yeah, right. you have enough. Like it's enough. I'm good. And it's a it's a gift. It's always actually like on election night, we would always put on our big primetime stars, you know, and I was I was anchoring election night with Brett Baer. We'd always make sure we yeah. had O'Reilly, we had Hannity come on and like they'd have to do it. And it was so great because they rarely would be on the opposite side where they would answer the questions as opposed to ask them. And they always did so well, like the guys like that and like you who do, do a lot of radio talk for a living. There's just like a special skill that comes with practice. And I will say the best people to interview, the best are the ones like you who talk for a living and who have been doing it for a long time. Like those guys. I hope so. I didn't want to disappoint you. My first interview. So, and I tell you, I learned from the best. I mean, uh, you know, Hannity, that's why I think if he called or his team called, I would always go on for them. Uh, always go on for them. And then, you know, Levin's another one. Like Mark, if Mark Levin, the godfather of the movie, he asks you to come on, you just do it, like out of respect. You don't say, ah, Mark, uh, hold on, I got a pizza down. You just do it. No. You show up and you shut up. I have up no relationship with him, I would have done your show Dan. too. I just couldn't earlier. That was I, the only reason. I have this like, 
crush from afar on Mark Levin. I, I've always ah, loved him. I agree with Sean that he's the great one. I listen to everything he says. I read his books. But like he he only really likes the true believers. And I've always been just more of a journalist who's like, let me let me hear both sides. Let me whatever. So I don't think I'm his number one favorite, but I secretly from afar am like a Mark Levin stalker. I <laughs> It's you like are a, a journalist. You, you are. And I respect that. Um, I, I'm not, you know, like I don't give a damn about journalism. I give a damn about activism. Journalism one has been destroyed. There's only like you, Taibi and Greenwald left. There's really no one else out there. Maybe Catherine Herridge, too. She seems to be shaking it up at CBS, which is bizarre. They hired her because I'm like, yeah. why would you want an actual journalist? Like that's not what you do at CBS. So she's terrorizing them over at CBS by doing actual journalism. <laughs> True. But I'm not a journalist and I'm always honest about it. You are. I, I, I'll agree. I mean, you've been on, you know, you ask questions and you, you've you been pretty hard hitting. Um, I, I don't like journalists, present company excluded, because I don't care. I'm an activist and I don't pretend to be otherwise. I, I don't give a damn. I care about the truth, but I'm not here to like ask you questions on the Democrat side to give you a fair hearing. I think you suck. I think your politics suck. <laughs> I think they're trash. I think you're wrecking this country. I don't want to hear about cutting some kids nuts off when they're nine years old. And I'm not going to give you a fair. Explain to me why castrating a nine year old is good, Congressman Hank Johnson. I don't care about your stupid answer or the fact that you think freaking Guam is going to sink because you're a moron. I don't want to hear it. I don't pretend to be anything different. I'm not going to be a journalist. I'm not interested in fair questions. Matter of fact, to any Democrat who ever came on my show on the rebuttal, I'm sorry. Let me just tell you now, because you were being set up. I was using you as the resident idiot of the show. The fact that you morons agreed to come on is your problem. But every single one of them, from Hawk Newsom to that dumbass who didn't know there are more guns now in Australia than before the gun ban, we used you as an idiot. When you would ask fair questions and give them a shot. And I respect that. You are. You do a good job. But that's not me. I don't give a damn. These people are enemies of the United States. And I give it, I don't give a rat's ass about any journalistic crap or giving them the time of day. I'm that's there to make them beautiful. look stupid using Alinsky's rule of ridicule. And if you want to be fair and talk about honest, cool stuff like, hey, how do we reach a middle ground on this and that? I'm cool. But if you're going to come on the show and tell me, hey, you know, we're going to cut some kids nuts off and not. And there's no, no, I'm not talking about that. You're not going to get a fair shake. I'm going to make you look like the moron you are. And that's it. So all Democrats, don't come on my show if you're going to say <laughs> stupid stuff because you, you won't get a fair <laughs> shake because no chance. Absolutely beautiful. This is what people love about you. This is why you're so compelling to listen to. It's so refreshing. No. Okay. So now, so people could tune in and listen to Dan Bongino do that, which is super fun. Um, or, or they could turn on CNN, which, which has somebody who feels as vehemently as you do, but over on the liberal side, far left side, up and down the primetime lineup and the daytime lineup. But they say, they're journalists, right? They masquerade as straight news people. And that brings me to Christian Amanpour. Christian Amanpour, who's, you know, one of the faces of CNN. And um, <laughs> she gave a, a graduation speech where she was at Columbia University, of course, School of Journalism, no less. Oh, my God. Like Roger's rolling over in his grave. Right. Um she goes over and she's, you know, everybody at CNN is self-flagellating over that town hall with Trump, as you know. And I know you had him on your show since then. Yeah. But they're, they're so mad at each other that that they had this. They hate Chris Licht for, for agreeing to it. And I just want to give you like this is a flavor. We cut a couple sound bites, but they're worth it. Here she is addressing the graduates about that town hall, SOT 1. 
I understand that the town hall a week ago was for many an earthquake. I met with CNN CEO Chris Licht at our New York headquarters. As my management believes they did the right thing, a service to the American people, I still respectfully disagree with allowing Donald Trump to appear in that particular format. I would have dropped the mic at nasty person, but then that's me. Maybe we should revert back to the newspaper editors and TV chiefs of the 1950s, who in the end refused to allow McCarthyism onto their pages, his influence gradually decreased with all but his fervent cliques and cults. Okay. Oh. I would have dropped the mic. That's it. So there's so much in there. So what, right. let me just start first by saying this. Noticeably, she leaves out the fact that the New York Times covered for the Soviet Union via Durante for decades while mm. Ukrainians were being literally starved to death and buried in mass graves. The New York Times, it's a historical fact, it's not my opinion, was an active collaborator in suppressing the horrors of the Soviet Union. I don't notice how she mentions McCarthy, but she leaves the other side of that thing totally, completely out. But think about this. Now, let, let's put our heads on straight and not do the spinning Reagan exorcist style head thing that she just pulled. She works at CNN and she's got the cojones to be talking about journalism. Megan, they promoted a peepee tape. Do you know what kind of a level one dipwad you need to be to no matter how bad you think Donald Trump is to believe there's a tape of him getting peed on that no one has seen, but the Russians it's amazing. And the tape was being used to steal an election while he was given Putin back rubs. You have to be so freaking stupid that in a draft lottery of idiots, you're the number one pick. And they promoted this thing for five years. And yeah. Christiane Amanpour, who, by the way, if you've never seen her getting wrecked by Liz Harrington on her show about this stuff, it is epic. I suggest you put it in a search engine oh, oh. that she dares to complain about Trump being on a network who could very well be the Republican nominee. While working there. And then one more here. I got a prop. I don't usually do props, but check this out. This is the receipt of the Hunter Biden laptop. After they fell for the PP tape that didn't exist, they told you that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. The freaking laptop was signed by Hunter Biden with Hunter <laughs> Biden's address, with Hunter Biden's phone number, with emails from Hunter Biden by a guy who ID'd Hunter Biden with a computer that had a Biden family sticker on it that the business partner said were authentic <laughs> emails. And they said, nah, that sounds no. like it's Russian to me. And you're lecturing <laughs> us about journalism at the Columbia School of Journalism. Listen, yeah. ma'am, with all due respect, you got a cool accent. Sounds terrific. Go sit down. Hard pass on your advice on. That's why I tell I'm not a journalist. Yes. I'm not. I'll never be a journalist. I don't want to be a yes. journalist because of people like her. And what an and embarrassing by the way, speech. That, that nonsense about how I would have dropped the mic and walked away if he had called me a nasty yeah. woman. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. You're on the national yeah. stage. You're hosting the CNN town hall. <laughs> Who is she kidding? She would have needed to say her face on TV too badly to actually Darn do right. that. She just wants to sound tough because, of course, as we both know, the seven foot center does not tell you how tall they are. Right. It's like she's got to yeah. sound it because she actually doesn't do it. And she's riding high in her reputation of old when there was no com competition in the business. Now, here's another one because this is so fun. 
She decided that the town hall audience, of course, was disgusting because it was all Republicans from New Hampshire and people <laughs> couldn't get past the fact that they, they laughed. They laughed at Trump's humor. And when he made fun of a sexual assault victim, here's just a little bit of her thoughts on that in SOT 2. I believe it is our home and therefore there is plenty of town hall and presidential and other televised debate precedent to insist that our invited guests behave themselves. Chris Lick told me he agrees that the execution was lacking a little and that I am sure we will not witness that same appalling, uh, appalling behavior in future town halls. I mean, again, with the left, you hear this all the time, right? Believe all women, right? It's like a hashtag, believe all women, which is fascinating because Tara Reid comes forward and says, I've got some serious allegations of getting groped by Joe Biden. You know, this is like really serious stuff. Uh, no, we don't want to talk about her. The weirdest thing. They in the world. ruined her. And my, and my principles, I've actually defended uh, Cuomo on this, uh, Andrew Cuomo, not because I like him. But because as a former law enforcement officer, I don't believe all women. I believe all evidence. There is mm -hmm. a difference. You don't believe all. What is believe all women? What if a woman comes forward and throws out some story about I, I was, uh, you know, Joe Biden sent me to Jupiter on an excursion out there to go find more tax dollars for Jupiterians. Believe all women. <laughs> it's the, the, you believe evidence. You believe evidence. If you can, we, bring ju we to just, me by evidence. the way, Dan, we just had a woman on Stanford University campus who accused a man twice of raping her, of like kidnapping her in the parking lot, dragging her behind closed doors or down into a basement, saying that he raped her. It was terrible. They didn't reveal it was the same woman accusing the same man who just magically raped her twice in two months. Like she would. It was all a hoax. She tried to ruin this guy's life. We still don't know why. Believe all women is nonsense. Believe evidence. You're a lawyer, Megan. People do things all the time. They're motivated by all kinds of intentions. You have no idea. People used to walk into the precinct and say, hey, listen, this guy next door to my house is slinging crack. You find out later they had a civil dispute over a fence in the backyard. The guy was doing no such thing. You believe evidence in a civil society, in a functioning constitutional republic. You believe evidence. You do not try a case on someone's word just because they said it. And Donald Trump, regardless of anyone's personal feelings about him, I, I know the guy differently. And I get it. Like, I, I the tweets, we could clean up a lot of stuff. That's for another day. You want to talk about it? We'll talk about it. I don't really care. I'll talk about anything. But I know the guy differently. The guy has every right to say, I don't know this person. Mm -hmm. I don't know this person. Can you provide me any evidence? She couldn't even name the year. So Christiane right. Amanpour's suggestion is, he shouldn't be able to defend himself in a town hall. He should just say, no, I'm guilty, even though I'm not. That's a that's absurd. And what kind of society is that? You're 100% right. And the thing about the sexual assault allegations is so galling because Trump has denied it from day one. And they want, it's as if the jury, a civil jury, where the standard is 51% more likely than not, did he do this? Um, a jury said, okay, yeah, something happened between them. Like he assaulted her in some way, but no rape. So that's all we have. We don't have a criminal conviction. We don't have beyond a reasonable doubt. We have one jury in a, in a borough that went 87% for Joe Biden that said, okay, I think it's more likely than not that he did something to her. That's it. So they want Trump to go out there and cry in his soup. They What they want is, I guess, I respect her. 
I think she believes it. My heart goes out to all sex. No, he's like, she's a liar. He behaved totally consistent with a man guilty or innocent who is saying this person is a liar and is is to be mocked. I will mock her because the story is mockable. And the audience clearly believed him. So they didn't think they were mocking a sexual assault victim. They thought they were laughing along with him at the absurdity of the story as this woman told it. This is how the left operates. You see, they don't really believe any of this stuff. When you have a woman that comes forward and says, I was in a changing room in L.A. and a guy who came in claiming to be transgender exposed his junk right in front of me. And we find out later that the guy has a history of sexual assault. That woman, forget her, throw her in the garbage. But Megan, that's not the only example. This is about the left. This is what drives me nuts. This is why I'm so happy like I'm out on my own. Because I don't want any, I don't like people tell me, don't tell me what to do. I, one, I'm not going to listen to you anyway. I'm going to tell mm. you to kiss my ass and it's just going to cause a problem. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't, don't ever tell me what to do ever. Don't tell yeah. me what I'm going to talk about or not. Oh, if a woman says this, you got to believe it automatically, no matter what, despite zero evidence. No, because you don't do it. You don't yeah. do it. You're a big freaking phony. They do this all the time. I'll give you two more examples. Quick ones, right? Remember Alexander Vindman? You dare not criticize decorated military officers. You cannot. He's in the military. He's even in uniform. Look at him. He's ate a few Twinkies, but that's okay. He's in his. Don't you dare <laughs> criticize this guy in uniform. Really? That's interesting. You got Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, more than decorated guy, yeah. who, matter of yeah. fact, called out intelligence agencies for years about the problems we were having. Mike Flynn, throw him in jail, hang him by his toenails. And in the Vindman case, again, whistleblowers. And then remember the other whistleblower? You couldn't even mention his name. It was verboten. They would pull you off platforms everywhere. That's right. And yet You're today, right. just today or whenever this airs, whatever, you got these FBI whistleblowers, real patriots attacked by their own government for blowing the whistle on the FBI. And what's the left doing? Pulling up random Twitter accounts like that idiot Linda Sanchez from California that don't even belong to the agent. And she doesn't even care. She just keeps going. Are you Marcus Allen, 722.45? Uh, no, ma'am, that's not my account. Well, Marcus, I want you to answer for the account anyway. You want me to answer for an egghead on Twitter with 12 followers? What is this serious? Yours is Capitol Hill, right? I mean, they're total phonies. And that's how they get people to shut up. They said, they said, oh, don't mention a whistleblower. Ah, that's bullshit. I went on my show, whistleblower. Apple pulled the show down. Fine, pull it down. I'll do whatever mm -hmm. I want. You don't tell me what to do. And that's mm -hmm. the, how the left boxes people in and suckers fall for it. This kind of, I think Gutfeld calls it like the prison of two ideas. You know, either you do this or you're the bad guy. No, no, no. You're going to tell me, believe all women. I'm going to tell you back. I will. When you show me evidence, matter of fact, I'll be your biggest advocate. You show me evidence that something happened with some conservative out there. You show me the evidence. I'll be the first one to talk about it. Wow. But they don't want I mean, to do that. They want to just pay, pigeonhole of, um, you in. This woman, E. Jean Carroll, who was accusing Trump of raping her in a, you know, Bergdorf Goodman 30 years ago, maybe, maybe 31, maybe 32, maybe 40. We don't know. Um, she, her best evidence was she had two witnesses who she told that this happened at the time, right? Two other women who come forward and say, E. Jean told me this happened right after it happened. Well, the left loved that. They love that. They love to tell us who the women were. This is exactly what they said. What kind of a woman would tell her friends right after if she was just making it up? That is literally the same thing as Tara Reid. Tara Reid had two friends she told about the alleged Joe Biden assault at the time. One was right after and one was like a year or so after. And they 
utterly ignored it, Dan. It was like, believe all women was out the window. They were combing through her bankruptcy records, trying to say she's a dishonest. Remember, they tried to say she didn't actually go to the college. Yeah. She's, she didn't quite get enough credits to graduate, but she said she had graduated. Then she testified as an expert, expert witness. It was a lie because she may have been one credit short. I mean, they ruined her, the believe all women crowd. They don't. It's because it's not a statement of principle. It is a statement of political tactical weaponry. It's not a serious statement from them. They don't believe it. That's my yeah. biggest beef with the left. Uh, my biggest beef with the left is that people often think, oh my gosh, if we expose the, and I'm not talking about all Democrats. I want to be clear. I don't stereotype people like that. I'm talking about liberal. If you profess a radical leftist ideology, I'm sorry, you're just straight up anti-American. There are a lot of Democrats just have different ideas. Fine, whatever. But the thing people mistake about the left, matter of fact, today on my radio show, some guy, um, I, I talked to the audience on Facebook. They messaged me. And some guy during the break, ah, Dan, you yell too much. You're not trying to convince. You're never going to convince a liberal. His name was Jeff. I said, bro, you think I'm trying to convince liberals? Because let me tell you something. Don't listen to my show. You're not for my, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'm filthy, stinking rich. I don't give a shit if you listen to my <laughs> show or not. Here's what I care about. The radical left sucks. And I am going to call them out on my show every single day. To sane Democrats, you are absolutely welcome on my show anytime. The fact that you have an open mind, the deepest of respect out to you. I get it. Not everybody follows politics like we do. Some people are confused. If you're a radical pro cutting the nuts off a kid at nine years old, I don't want you on my show. You will be yeah. ridiculed and humiliated all the time. And then other people say things like, well, with the left, you know, we got to expose their hypocrisy. They don't care about hypocrisy. Totalitarians, Megan, just look at history. They don't give a damn about hypocrisy. When Che Guevara was putting the enemies of socialism up against La Pared, the wall, and shooting them, he didn't care that he was fat, dumb, and happy living off the free market he created for himself with his food and all this other crap. He didn't care that it looked hypocritical. They care about power. It is hierarchy to them. It is not hypocrisy. It doesn't matter. Now, I pointed out to ridicule them, but I'm under no illusions at all. We're going to convince a single liberal to come to our side. So why do you do it? Why do you do Fair enough question. You, I do that because when I was running for office, I learned a lot. I ran three times and, you know, got close once. Horseshoes and hand grenades, close don't matter. But the race I got my ass kicked, the worst, I learned the most. Because some, I went to a seminar one day and a guy said, when you're arguing with the liberal, you're not arguing with him. You're arguing for the third person. Who the hell is the third person? He says, anyone listening, you're never going to convince the liberal. They're, yeah. con they're convinced they want to destroy the United States as you know it. Economically, educationally, you're never going to convince them. But there's always a third party listening. And then when I was running for office one day, I was up at the Maryland County Fair. I'm talking to this teacher's union rep and we're arguing loudly about school choice, something I passionately believe in because I'm a product of it passionately, but I, I wouldn't be speaking to you in coherent English sentences without it. And the woman, of course, I never broke through to her. I didn't intend to. I, we were, but we argued for a good 10 minutes. Guy comes over a few minutes later. He's like, listen, man, I'm a Democrat. Not really into the whole school choice thing, but I got to say, you held your own. He said, you did really well and you got me thinking. And I never, mm. ever forgot that third person theory, but make no mistake. Mm. These liberals have no principle. Believe all women, believe all whistleblowers. They don't believe any of that stuff. They believe in one thing destroying the United States, collectivizing power, controlling the means of production, controlling the kids, 
creating division between the kids and the parents and using any vehicle whatsoever to get you believe, get you to believe that capitalism is subordinate to collectivism. If it's environmentalism, they'll use that. If it's race, not wrong. I mean, I'm thinking about class they, warfare. They, they'll use that. They don't believe they don't believe trans women are women. They don't believe Black Lives Matter either. Right. Take a look at Chicago. No. Take a look at Detroit. Take a look at Baltimore. They, these are just slogans. Wait, stand by. Hold that thought. I teed it up, and I'm just going to leave it there as an air balloon as we take a quick break, so people will come back and listen to more of Dan Bongino right after this. Our guest for the full show today. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit tnusa.com slash Megan. So Dan, you are not the only person who only wants to talk to one side. Unfortunately, when it happens in the U.S. Congress, it feels a little icky. (laughs) So they had a hearing. Of course, the House is now controlled by the Republicans. And they had a hearing on left-wing violence. And Dan Goldman, representative from New York, I used to interview this guy on on NBC, on like the morning show. He was kind of soft. He was kind of sweet. Then he ran for Congress and got just activated. Now he's like an AOC type in his rhetoric and the way he behaves. It's actually really kind of galling. So he has his chance to, uh, you know, ask some questions and he goes after town hall, senior writer, Julio Rosas, who's been on this show. This is a guy who goes all over the country covering the stories that the mainstream media ignores Antifa violence, the border, you name it. And by the way, Rosa, he's also, um, He's a Marine. So he's covered the stuff. He's been in the midst of Antifa. He's a Marine. And he gets up there to talk about the left-wing violence he has seen. And then Dan Goldman gets a shot at Rosas. And this is a bit of how that went. You're trying to get us, uh, gaslight us up here as if Antifa, which Mr. Rosas, apparently the expert now in organized terrorist activity, has overruled the FBI director who says, there's a headline, says Antifa is an ideology, not an organization. No, no, no. Let's not listen to the FBI director. Let's listen to, sorry, what's your your title? Senior writer at Town Hall, who is going to tell us that the FBI director is wrong. And I'd like to introduce, there's no question. I think it's funny to be be lectured by an heir to the Levi Strauss uh, Corporation. And and honestly, that's probably why he... Uh, doesn't consider property damage to be that big of a deal because not only does he have that, but he also has uh, what some would describe an impossibly good stock portfolio. Oh, man, I can't watch that enough. arrogance, right? The arrogance. And by the way, he didn't let Julio respond. Uh, He had to do that later in the exchange because Dan Goldman was like, I'm not taking questions. Yeah. Yeah. I can't watch that clip enough. I love Julio. He's an amazing guy. Just a couple of quick takeaways from that. 
you know, first, because Congress has no real power anymore, they've ceded all their authority to the bureaucracy. That's just a fact. I mean, that's why they're so panicked about Chevron deference. That's what they want. They don't want to have to actually vote on anything of importance. The problem with Congress is they can't actually do anything. So they all want to be social media stars. So that's mm-hmm. where you get uh, Jamal Bowman, AOC, Dan Goldman. This And Republicans do it, too. Uh, that, that's it. Like, that's what they do. And the second point is, you know, it's kind of weird. Again, I just told you before in the last segment that liberals don't actually believe in anything. It's weird because just a few days prior to that, Joe Biden told us that the most dangerous thing in America at an HBCU was what? An idea. White supremacy. White supremacy, right? So I don't get it. Is an idea dangerous or is it not? Because you're telling mm-hmm. us ideas are the, mo- the most dangerous threat to the country, and yet we bring up Antifa. No, no, ideas are no problem. No sweat. You guys are all in. Anyone else catch that? I mean, I think I was one of the few people who brought that Good up. Point. You can't have it both ways. The absolute gall of him to look at Julio, who's actually endangered himself to bring us the news, going into these melees at risk to himself and to dismiss him as Dan sits in his, you know, upper whatever side apartment. It's probably some penthouse given his money and has the nerve to actually judge this guy like you. He knows nothing. Oh, I'm sure like the FBI. Sure. The FBI is totally credible, totally trustworthy on all matters. Just ask any Republican in the nation <laughs> they who the FBI hates. All right. Dan's got more to say. And so do I. Uh, another quick, quick break. Back with Dan. Don't go away. Grand Canyon University a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes in equal opportunity and that the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Can you... Believe what happened this week when it comes to Dianne Feinstein and John Fetterman. Uh, I mean, the Democrats do this to themselves, Megan. I, I mean, they, they knew the, the, the this is not a mystery. They knew Dianne Feinstein was having significant health issues, right? So because Dianne Feinstein's developed a lot of political cachet in a large bank account, I don't mean money. I mean, she's developed political a political bank account in terms of favors that have been done and done back. Everybody kind of left her alone, but they knew this was going to be an issue. And then with Fetterman, he has this stroke. And listen, I say, although I haven't gone through some serious health stuff, it shouldn't have to be said, but liberals attribute so many malicious motives to us. I don't wish ill on anybody. But Megan, let's be honest here. This guy is one of 100 members of a voting body, split 50-50, who could determine the course of the country economically, foreign policy-wise. He could be the swing vote. I'm very sorry this happened to him. But my gosh, brother, you need to step aside. Mm-hmm. You, they need to get someone in there who can function. I mean, I'm genuinely concerned. We got a war in Ukraine, the, the, the straight heating up with Taiwan and China. You've got uh, North Korea doing nuclear detonations. 
You've got now uh, former allies in the Middle East inviting the Russians in. Just go look at what the Abraham Accords are going to fall apart if two more years of this guy. And you've got a guy in office and a woman who cannot physically function. I mean, this is the kind of thing you think the Democrats, the coexist tolerance crowd, would have thought of before. But now we're stuck. We're in a, they're not going to resign. There's no chance. The John Fetterman clip is alarming. I, I think the oh, DiFi situation is even worse. I'll show the audience a little bit of what we're talking about. Here's SOT4. Uh, by the way, the audience has asked many times, what am I saying when I say SOT? It's short for sound, oh, sound on tape. tape. <laughs> sound on tape, <laughs> which Insider is a jargon. Term. I know. I do Sot. it all the OVO. What's a VO? Yeah, exactly. VO yell sometimes. Sometimes on my podcast, I know you want to play the clip, but sometimes on my podcast, I'll forget it's a VO and I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm not saying anything. And Guy will be like, VO, you got to talk, bro. There's no <laughs> they, sound on they this cannot hear anything today. <laughs> All right, Sorry, well, this sot is a sot. Sot. I'll call for the it sot. Is Here's the sot, sot uh, John Fetterman. There we go. Is, is it staggering? Is it a staggering responsibility that, uh, the, that the head of a bank could literally, could literally crash our economy? It's astonishing. That's like if you have, I mean, like, uh, and, and they also realize is that, that, that now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no by by how you know so it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how there's their conduct is oh my god you know megan oh my god dan is it over you've been is, on both is, sides is it over? Of this. i know it's it's cringy though i know matter of fact the guy he's talking to doesn't even understand the question of i course. feel bad for him but you having seen both nbc and fox you're in a unique position to comment on this i would make the case to you strongly that the fetterman story isn't even so much about fetterman it's about the media that that honest journalist the female forgive me i can't remember her name who said, listen, I interviewed this guy and I'm sorry, but he's just not Dasha right. Burns I mean, he's not right. Man. And just got pilloried by the left. I mean, if that doesn't speak to the Pravda like, and I use my words very carefully, nature of our current media that wasn't at least willing to tell you just should have said, hey, she's right. He's troubled, but okay, we like him better than us. Oh, fine. You're allowed to vote. It's a free country. You can do whatever you want. If you want to vote for a, a clearly compromised individual, having issues. That's your choice to do that. But don't lie about it. Tell us the truth and that they attacked that woman. One of the most disgraceful episodes I've seen in modern media. And believe me, those words are doing a lot of work in that sense. And you know what? She, she, they got her in line. It worked, Dan. What they do is they try to shame the young ones out of honest reporting. And nine times out of 10, it works because they read the blogs about themselves. They get only, you know, the, the feedback from their bosses that you would hear from others in the media. There's no fair and balanced person above them saying, no, nice job. Um, and so all, since then, she, every tweet from this girl is like, heart goes out to Fetterman, hashtag brave, hashtag, you know, you go guy, great for being honest about your mental health. Like, it's like, okay, Dasha, we get it. You stepped out of line, you got pilloried, and now you're, you're getting back line. Right. But this is how they do it. I mean, it really is interesting to watch sort of the crafting of a left-wing journalist from somebody who started off pretty fair. And we are seeing it with her. Um, but it, what's it happening with DiFi kind of puts the lie to all of it because 
They know Fetterman is incapacitated. They know that, and they're covering it. They know DiFi is incapacitated, and they're starting to go after her. Why? Because it's a it's a safe seat that they can control this this go around when they fill it, and then next go around, which is what they're worried about with Fetterman on the next go around. Um, and so the wheels are starting to come off the DiFi bus as she returns to the Senate. I mean, utterly incoherent. She has been caught now um, saying she didn't know she was gone. All right. So she was interviewed by, I guess, Slate, uh, Jim Newell. And he writes as follows. I asked her how she was feeling. Oh, I'm feeling fine. I have a problem with a leg. A fellow reporter asked what was wrong with a leg. Well, nothing that's anyone's concern but mine. When the fellow reporter asked what her response was, um, what the response had been from her colleagues since she had returned after a few months out, the conversation took an odd turn. No, I haven't been gone, she said. You should follow the, I haven't been gone. I, I've been working. When asked whether she meant she'd been working from home, she turned feisty. No, I've been here. I've been voting. Please, you either know or you don't know. After deflecting one final question about those who have called on her to resign, she was wheeled away. This is continuing the article. It is true Feinstein has been in Washington and voting for the past week, but it is not true that she has been here in a physical sense for two and a half months. She didn't even know that she wasn't in the Senate. And I'll give you one other thing, because this, this broke just yesterday uh, from the Times. The title is Feinstein suffered more complications from illness than were publicly disclosed. We were, we were told she had shingles, Dan, which can be painful, can be unpleasant. But this is right. what the New York Times now reports. Ms. Feinstein's frail appearance. I mean, the eyes, you know, she's got like the one eye doesn't seem to be working at all. Her frail appearance was a result of several complications after she was hospitalized for shingles in February, some of which she has not publicly disclosed. The shingles spread to her face and neck, causing vision and balance impairments and facial paralysis, known as known as Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. The virus also brought on a previously unreported case of encephalitis, a rare but potentially debilitating, potentially debilitating, Dan, complication of shingles, according to two people familiar with the senator's diagnosis who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe it. So this is another incapacitated senator, and they're running that story a little differently because they know it's a safer seat. It's not going to be in jeopardy in a few years. It's solidly blue state, unlike Pennsylvania, which still has some purple. Yeah, I mean, you just have to do a simple principles check here. You know, again, so the left, the left's point on Feinstein is what? This is why they can never debate. And I love welcoming them on the show to just humiliate these idiots. Because they can, you can't debate if you don't have a rigorous set of principles. If your principles change every time, all I've got to do is, all I have to do is ask you the principle and then ask you a different question where you'll change your mind. <laughs> so when you say to them, okay, about Diane, I'll, I'll do it with you right now. Okay, liberals, uh, uh, liberal Joey Bag of Donuts, I get it. You have very serious concerns about the health status of members of the Senate. I do too. We need them. We need them to work. Even if they're not Republicans, we need them to show up. Good. Uh, you're very concerned about, yes, extremely concerned. Uh, is that a blue state? Uh, yes, sir, it is. Okay. Should Fetterman resign? No, 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 definitely not. He should not resign at all. Well, why shouldn't he resign? Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's a swing state that Donald Trump won back in 2016. It's a, you know, it's so easy with them when you mm -hmm. just peg them down on simple things. You ask them about, you know, I have to get off the topic, but you know, oh, we want to hack, uh, uh, take, uh, hike taxes on the rich. Okay, great. Do you voluntarily pay any additional taxes to the government? Why would I do that? Well, why wouldn't you? You're telling me that taxes and it's a form of benevolence and philanthropy. It'll make the world a better place. I don't have to pay charity, but I give money to charity. 
because I think it's going to do good things. So why don't you give more money to the government? Oh, because you don't actually believe that. That's why. Because you're full of it. That's why. You can never trust these people. This thing with Dianne Feinstein, and, and just a warning to liberals out there too, other liberals, they will throw you under the bus in a heartbeat when hierarchical, power-hungry, collectivist liberals see you're not politically and, tact, uh, and tactically useful to them anymore. If you think you're safe, you are insane. They would throw Obama under the bus tomorrow. Who is They worship him like the golden calf in the Bible. They love Obama. They would throw him under the bus tomorrow if it would benefit the continuance of power. That, that's, that's just a fact. Conservatives, yeah. well, we got a data. They don't generally do that. Conservatives, you know, we have a set of principles. And if you align by them, we'll stick to you thick and thin, not libs. They'll throw you overboard in a heartbeat. What about George Soros? Oh, not George Soros. George, um, the liar. Uh, Santos. Yeah. Santos. Thank you. Well, the liar could actually kind of cover. Right. Both I mean, it's not really helping. George. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but George you mean Santos. The congressman, right. Yeah. He's a hot mess, Dan. I really think I know that the Republicans need the seat, but that guy's got to go. He's an embarrassment. What do you think but of him? Said that. I don't think he should resign uh, right now. And I'll tell you why. Because as I said to you before, I'm not a journalist. I'm an activist. OK, but I do have principles. My principles are he won the seat. Clearly, he was good enough to get in there. Maybe mm -hmm. mistaken, lied about some stuff. The guy's clearly an epic level fraud. He's Walter Mitty. He's the modern day Walter. The guy's got more stories than Teddy Ruxpin. You stick a quarter in his back, he'll tell you, <laughs> I was G.I. Joe back in the 80s. He's an embarrassment. I said on my show, and I will say again, Santos, do not run. Please do not run. You don't belong yeah. in the Congress. He is not a good guy. However, when Joe Biden resigns for telling everyone he was raised in the Puerto Rican community, the Jewish community, the black community, <laughs> was arrested to see Nelson Mandela, is a trucker, finished at the top of his class, was the outstanding student. When he's done with his lies and he resigns, then George Santos should resign. Other than that, I don't want to hear jack shit and jack left town about George Santos resigning until the biggest fraud liar in the history of U.S. politics, one Joseph R. Biden, resigns. When he resigns, I'll come back on your show and demand Santos resigns. But he definitely <laughs> shouldn't run again. He's not a good dude. Yeah, it's a good point. All right. So you raise Joe Biden. And that brings me to 2024 and presidential politics, which I'm dying to discuss with you. So um, Donald Trump came on your show this week. And, I, and we'll get to uh, what, what you guys talked about, the Durham report and so on. Oh, that's so juicy. I just I feel like it's so outrageous and it's being totally ignored. But let's talk politics first, because now we understand that DeSantis is probably getting in this race next week. Originally, it was going to be exploratory committee. Then he changed that. I mean, it's like, come on, I hate the exploratory committee period right. of this whole nonsense. Right. Yeah, I know. We all know what you're doing. It's just such a like a certain male gesture comes to mind. But in any event, he's right. going to actually just come out there and, and announce it. He's going to own it. And um, yeah. it's on. You know, to me, it's exciting as like somebody who gets to cover this stuff. I'm excited to see it start going in earnest. Um, and it's still very yeah. tricky, very, very tricky for him. He was desperate to get that, you know, Trump base and they only have eyes for one man. And he you can see him struggling with how to wrest them away from him. And to you me, can. it keeps coming back to the Bill Mark statement of why would they go to see the cover band when they could still see the original right there? Like the original's yeah. there. Yeah, you, you, you can't. You can't. I mean, you, you're not. Listen, I live in Florida, so I have a really I mean, not obviously not unique for 20 million people, but I'm, I'm probably the well, Shapiro's down here, too. But I get both sides of it. Ron DeSantis 
is hands down the best governor I've ever seen in my lifetime. Anywhere. I've lived in Maryland, New York, Georgia. I've been all over. There's never, I've never seen a guy come in and change a state so rapidly. I've been down here eight years. When I first came down here, this was, make no mistake, was absolutely a swing, if not swinging blue state. That's over. The state is now, I mean, nothing's permanent, but for now and in the distant, not too distant future is in the red column, right? That, a lot of that is due to DeSantis and Trump. So getting that out of the way, because I'm not one of these guys on the radar has to, I, this stuff on Twitter with pro DeSantis and pro Trump people, it's, I had to mute like a hundred people. I can't take it. I'm not really interested. I think primaries are a good thing. I've been in them. Um, I think they keep uh, candidates frosty. I mean, I've got the evidence, right? I mean, remember uh, President John McCain? No, you don't. That's right. Because Bush was in a, can- in a primary with him and won. You remember President Hillary Clinton? Oh, that's right. You don't remember her either because Barack Obama was in a feisty primary and won. Uh, remember President Marco? Oh, you don't remember that either because Trump was in a primary and won. So a primary is a good thing. I- I'm not getting into the back and forth with them because I love both guys. I support President Trump. I have, and I've got good reasons for it. I met the guy. I know the guy differently. I'm not name dropping. I don't give a damn about it. I don't need to do that. What do I need to name drop for? Who cares? I got my own show. I'm just telling you, the guy is ferociously loyal and, and that doesn't matter what I, cause I don't want to date the guy. I want a conservative. Mm-hmm. A lot of people out there. I, I think he's Ron DeSantis has an amazing political career. Amazing. And I'll tell you right now, if it wasn't for president Trump. I would be donating to the guy and knocking on doors for him. Mm-hmm. I just think it's Trump's time now. And I'll tell you why. Other flaws, you think? I mean, everybody gets that. He gets it himself, <laughs> right? But here's the thing. I've been with this guy. I've been with dinners with him. I've been in the Oval Office with him over and over. He is a deal maker, man, and he gets it. And I mean this in a material, tangible sense, not some kind of otherworldly nonsense. Oh, he's a deal maker. No, 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 forget all. When someone gets in his ear and says to him, and some people take this as a downside, I don't. Because I'm sick of being lied to by people who win the presidency and then do jack, okay? Mm. It, when, when they whisper in his ear and go, hey, Mr. President, the conservatives got you elected. They want you to show up at the pro-life rally. It, what, here's what he doesn't do. Uh, can we take a poll on that? No doubt the man loves polls. But if the right people are in his ear, he will do conservative stuff. And he doesn't listen to anybody if you tell him otherwise. And he takes advice from some people who yeah, some more, but most of the people he takes advice from guide him in the right direction. I'll give you one quick example of what I mean. Why is it we've had Republican presidents, Bush, Reagan, all of them, we've never had the Abraham Accords? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. I'll answer the question. I've traveled all over the Middle East in my prior line of work. We were told for decades by idiots in D.C. who weren't outsiders like Trump, you're never going to get peace without a deal with the Palestinians. Don't even bother. John Kerry's on tape saying totally forget about it. Don't even, you can look it up. You guys can watch it yourself, right? Don't do it. Trump came in the office and said, why not? Well, because it can't happen. Well, why not? Well, because everybody says it can't happen. Yeah, well, I don't really give a damn, but I'm just going to go cut a deal myself. And he did it. He was told the same thing about tax cuts. Uh, you're never going to get that. Reconciliate too much of a pain in the ass. Let's focus on other stuff. The economy grew at 3% for the first time in eight years. Listen, is the guy a doctrinaire conservative? Megan, you've interviewed him. You know he's not. Is he sitting there, you know, reading, uh, you know, old, old books by, uh, you know, National Review writers back in the 80s? No, he's not doing that. But the guy is always looking to cut a deal and he's good at it. And I think he deserves another four years. The guy got screwed. Yeah, but I, and I'll tell you something I've told him personally, and he knows that I'm not sharing anything out of, out of turn. 
We we got to get a hold of the, the tweets, and it's it, it's distracting. And it, the story I told his team, and I'll tell you, is it's 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 not that I'm I personally mind it. I don't care, as you can tell. I just say what the hell I want, so I don't really give a damn. Doesn't bother me at all. The problem is, I got to defend this stuff. So that you were at Fox, I was at Fox. Before I was a show host, I was a contributor. So you're going on, Megan, and let's say the Trump tax cuts pass. And they're like, hey, Dan, it's uh, Cavuto, whatever. Can you come on and talk about the Trump tax cuts? Yeah, cool. That's great. Total policy win. And then a tweet goes out about something like whatever, Kanye. And you're like, oh, hey, Dan, a different topic, Kanye. So I would tell them, I'm like, Mr. President, but we, it's, it's not that it's hurting you, not me. I'll go on to talk about whatever. I don't care. I don't know anybody anything. But you're distracting from your agenda. So that's the kind of the downside. But having said that, the, the, we, have we had a more conservative four years? I, right. I can't. Now, right. Not with Bush. We got Medicare Part D and all this other crap. I mean, this is the first guy to show up and actually do stuff. So and, and the regulatory reform and all that. And you know what I like about the next four years? People say as a downside, oh, he's not going to be running for re-election. Oh, great. Great. Yeah. You got DeSantis on the bench and a bunch of other ringers. And then you got a guy who doesn't have to worry about re-election. We clean the entire federal government. I told this guy, I said it to his face and on my show the other day, fire everyone. If you have not pledged allegiance to the Constitution, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, I don't care about your politics. I was an agent with Democrats who did a great job. If you cannot do that and your right hand goes up, I pledge allegiance to the Democrat Party or any party. Get them out of the government right now. Fire mm -hmm. everyone. Fire their dogs. Fire their kids. Mm -hmm. Fire their kids' kids. In your will, make sure you leave to Don Trump Jr. the will to run for president and fire their kids' kids later. <laughs> and you send a message and we'll clean this mess up. But I That's think that's another shot. A Trump DeSantis ticket would be so interesting for Republicans because yes, it's Trump. So even the never Trumpers would, well, not the never Trumpers, they're, they're Democrats now, but the national review type Republicans who are real Republicans, but don't like Trump, they'd, they'd be interested in that. They'd certainly vote for that over a Joe Biden ticket. And then you're setting the other guy who you love up for a term, you know, in the not too distant future. Um, you know, yes, it's two white guys, but Republicans don't care about that. Um, so it, that could be yeah. very interesting. And I, we'll see whether DeSantis is, I think Trump is open Never to it. Happened. I don't know about DeSantis. I don't, I'd be you don't stunned. Think so? I'd be shocked. Why? Yeah, I'd be Why? shocked. I, I don't think it's on the, on the Trump end. Um, I don't, I, you know. He dislikes I, him too much? I, I don't, yeah, I just think that, well, no, and here's the thing about Trump. Like I told you before, he's a deal maker. The yeah. one thing about Trump, and I think you know this too, you know him in a different way in the audience, kind of like mm -hmm. I know. The thing about Trump is, you know, for five or six years, you can go on Twitter and call Trump the worst names possible. And the minute you say something nice about <laughs> nice. him, it's yeah. the, right? He's he back. will forgive you. It's the Everybody thinks he's like this asshole who calls grudges. But trust me, he does no, not. He is he a deal maker. He had dinner with Mitt Romney, was considering him for secretary of state after Romney just pilloried this guy. Look Why? what Ted Cruz said about him. Right. They hated right? each other, hated. hated each other. And what happened? He Trump is not like that. People don't understand. They think of him as this like out of control, blood dripping is from his fangs, nuts, nut job. You should have said nut job. You, you might that, say he has blood coming out. out of his wherever. Yeah. That he's not right. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that in the movie. That was great. That, that's Charlize Theron, by the way. Totally nailed it. If you listen to that, 
with the with the TV off and just the sound of the speakers, you're like, holy Moses, that's Megan Kelly. That's oh, amazing. see, this is where Doug would step in and say you're wrong. Doug was like, he she looks a little like you, but she doesn't sound like you at all. Uh, it was a little bit baritone, maybe. She but she not kept a doing. She job. she sounded a little Elizabeth Holmesy. You know what I mean? You could tell she was trying Wait, to go down here. I don't want to get off and, the topic, but while yeah, because the, they did the debate thing. They did the debate. I watched that movie probably five or six times. The movie, if you work at Fox, is a thousand times more interesting because, like, yeah. the stuff makes sense. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you see the players. Like, there's Diana and Irina, and you're like, you know yeah. these people, and you're like, and the Judge Janine actress would look nothing like Judge Janine, by the way, at all. Yeah. But when you're watching this movie, right, and you're thinking to yourself, like, holy Moses, that really happened. You're right. watching this at home. I'm like hijacking your show. I'm not supposed to be asking questions. Are you no, like, no, it's wow. This was a major deal because this was like at the whole world's attention. It was crazy. I mean, I, I, I hate the term, but I use it. It was somewhat triggering. You know, it just brought on because it wasn't just about battling with Trump, which with whom I wanted no battle. I just wanted to ask him that tough question. And like I asked everybody up there, tough questions to move on. Like to me, it wasn't a new thing. I'd been anchoring primary debates for a while. Just didn't expect it to be so explosive, right? He just, he, he made it so explosive, but it caused so many problems in my life. And with my colleagues, it blew up my work life. You know, it was just traumatic because people inside the building were mad and Roger was mad. And it was just, it set off like a course of events, but I'll tell you the most emotional moment for me in the whole thing, Dan, I remember I was in, um, New Jersey where we spend the summers on the shore. And I, I had nothing to do with the movie, right? So I, I didn't know anything. I never read a script. They never consulted with me on what was going to go in there, whatever. Um, and up on my phone, it was like one text and then about 40 others came and it was the trailer. And remember it had that creepy music? Boom. Yes. Boom, boom, yes. It was like whatever. a Halloween movie or something. It yeah. was creepy, but it was also good. It was kind of compelling. But anyway, there I am. That's me. And I'm in the elevator with, you know, the per the person supposed to be Gretchen Carlson and this other composite character on going up to the second floor, which actually happened with me. I mean, a million times I went to Roger's office. We were actually very close, notwithstanding all the weirdness between us. And it, it just was so jarring because it, there it's me, but it's not me. And they're putting me back in this position that actually more than once was very unsteady for me, you know, going in there and you know, what's going to happen. You know, he's going to put back on the table, you know, the, the clear implication, like sleep with me and your career is going to go much better. And you don't want those to be the stakes for which you're playing at all. You know, when it happened to me, my career was on the rise. I was doing well. I was covering the Duke lacrosse case really well. I was getting on Hannity every night. It was amazing. I was like, I'm doing this. I am making it. And then, and, and he saw that too. And then suddenly he just switched the whole like stakes. He just switched the terms, you know, like, no, the way you're going to get it, you know, ahead is if you sleep with me. And, and then he told me about a very well news anchor who I, a well-known news anchor who he knew I loved. And he was like, she was smart. She slept with her boss. That's how she got to the top. All these things. I mean, it's all been well documented. So anyway, that's a long winded way of saying the trailer was the thing that threw me more than anything. And well, uh, it's got it's got to be that, that whole thing had to be kind of horrifying because, you know, like real, you've probably heard it before. Real estate on Fox is hard to come by. And when you're working at Fox to get a show is a big deal. You know, and for me, you just, you know, walked away from it. I, I wasn't naive to that fact. I mean, I'll never forget interviewing early on with Suzanne and Jay, the CEO and the and news division head. And they were, they were cool with me. This is, I don't know, it's like eight years ago or something like that. 
And I just went in there with a pair of like moose balls. And I was like, yeah, I want a show. They looked at me like, <laughs> what do you want, crack? It was funny. Like, they were cool about it. But I remember she kind of looked at Jay like, did he just say that? And I, she was so diplomatic, Suzanne. She's like, um, there's really not a lot of real estate. I, that was me. I just walked right in there. And I'm like, I think I want to show on some. I, Megan, I had like 10,000 downloads on my podcast. That was it. It was like a mid-level show at best. And I'm just telling him I want to show on Fox. My wife's like, how did it go? I'm like, oh, I don't think too well. I told him I wanted to show. And they looked at me like I was smoking a crack pipe before I came in. But I did it. I went in there and did it. Uh, and that's, that's how I feel. That this has worked for me my whole life. When I, uh, when I started filling in for Hannity on the radio, my biggest break ever, I had done mm -hmm. one radio guest host job at a local station in Baltimore, WCBM. And it was horrible. I knew nothing about radio at all. I just went in there and riffed for three hours on a morning show. I call up Linda, his producer, one day. I'm listening to Neil Bortz, guest host on the radio. I'm in my basement mm -hmm. lifting weights. It's like 12 years ago. I said, Linda, uh, can I guest host for Sean? My wife's like, what are you, crazy? You can't ask that. It's, this guy's got 700 radio stations. She's like, uh, can he come up next Thursday? I'm like, this life is great. <laughs> Done. Ask nothing, get nothing, right? So, right. I mean, I reached out well, to you, did I not? I reached out gotta... on Twitter. I said, Megan Kelly, I'd like to come on your show. I think you're great. I want to do my first interview. And here we are. Oh, you know what? But you got it. Like in order to make it in competitive bu businesses, you've got to find a way of asking for what you want. You know, for me and Roger was actually just going back to that whole thing. He was, he was giving me opportunities. Like, and I was taking them and doing the most with them. So that was like, there is this moment where, you know, you get like the switch in your head where, and I, you know me, Dan, I'm not a feminist. I'm not one of these, like that patriarchy fucking sucks. That's not what, at all what I'm talking about. Just like talking about that moment where you think you're getting ahead, you think you're doing well and like your elbow grease is earning you kudos. And then like the switch flips where you're like, oh wait, this guy just wants to sleep with me. Shit. Fuck. That's, that's how yeah. it is. Like, God damn. Well, and, and the thing then you, you, you try to navigate too, through it and get back on path. You're so talented. Like the French have that whole, you know, the je ne sais quoi, right? If we knew what it was, we would bottle it and sell it. But you're, you're right. Like when you're in that business, you feel the big, the big mo is a thing in politics. Momentum. It's real. You can feel it. I mean, yeah, you can't touch it, but you know, momentum when you see it, it happened after the Twinkies, Alvin Bragg, you know, arrested uh, Trump or tried to yeah. the momentum you can feel like the, the campaign just changed altogether, but it's the same way in the news business. You're, you're not something till you're something. And then you're something and like something just happened. It's not Twitter tweeting yeah. about you more. It's not an article. It's just this thing you feel. When and you then to fire. have someone like, right. And, and right, exactly. And then to have someone like try to just rip it from you or, or even worse, make you question yourself where you're like, wait, did that happen because of this or because yeah. that's got to be the worst part, you know, because it you're is. like, wait, I knew everybody knew you were like the next thing. Everyone could feel it. It's like with Tucker. He was doing Fox and Friends weekend. Right. And then all of a sudden he's doing what, like the seven o'clock show yeah. and then like the nine o'clock show. And then he's doing four million people a night at eight after O'Reilly leaves. Like everybody just knew it. But to have someone question that, and the worst part is to get you in your head thinking, is that what it was? But in yeah. your case, everybody knew you were, I mean, everybody knew you were talented. Nobody at Fox mm -hmm. ever questioned that. If whether, you know, friend or foe, everybody knew you were the real deal. 
Well, well, thank you. I mean, it was a very tricky situation where you got it, like, got to get the plane back on course where it's like, wait, we're not going to go there, but we are going to judge each other on, you know, our performance. And we did, we ma- we managed it. We got through it. And, you know, we had a great relationship until. You were a tough interviewer though. Yeah. You know, I want I everybody to go watch the video of me interviewing with Megan because I was kind of like a new Jack back then. And she was Megan Kelly, like rocking it at nine o'clock. And I come on, you know, I'm still a little timid up at Fox. <laughs> and uh, Stop I it right now. Or, so yeah, Moose this balls. is the story on my show the other day. So everybody knows it. And it's about my book, my first book. So I tell your producers, I'm like, just do me a favor. Just don't ask any questions about Obama personally, because back then I just didn't want to get into it. And the first question is like, Hey, how's Obama person? And I'm like, you got to go back folks and watch the, it's on like, uh, I think it's on rumble or screw tube somewhere. Go watch it. And you'll see after that question, I'm like a deer in headlights because I'm so <laughs> This wasn't your fault. I'm sure they didn't tell you, but no, I, was I like, wouldn't have done it if, if you'd no, asked. No, I that. know you wouldn't. I know you would not. I know when you like. I know you wouldn't have done it. But the whole train ride home because I took the train up for you. That's how much I. I never take the train up from Maryland. Well, I always do remotes. I'm like Megan Kelly. I'm getting my ass up there. And the first question, how's Obama? Or some question like that. <laughs> and watch the rest of the interview. You know me now. Like I'm never a deer in headlights. It's the only never. interview I ever did. That I just sucked so bad because I was so caught off guard. So now you see, I'm rescued the whole thing. This is the one of the best interviews I've ever done with you. As, so this, this is, is so fun. It's so fun talking to you. Yes, no, it, it generally, it's certainly on somebody like you saying something like that, I would definitely, I would always exceed to your wishes. It's only when the politicians say, I don't want to talk about this, right? And I say, right. oh no, we, we don't yeah, make yeah. any promises. No, if that's the way you operate, don't come on because right. it's no hold right. barred. All right, stand by. One more break and back with Dan Bongino. I'm having a great time. I hope the audience is too. The Megan Kelly Show is supported by Grand Canyon University. Founded in 1949, GCU is a private Christian university that's dedicated to delivering an affordable and transformative higher education. Their vibrant campus is located in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, and according to Niche.com, ranked a top 25 best campus in the USA. As of June 2023, GCU offers 330 academic programs, with over 270 of them online, allowing you the freedom to earn your degree on your time from wherever you are. At GCU, your degree, whether it's a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate, integrates the free market system and a welcoming Christian worldview. Learn more about GCU's programs, competitive tuition rates, and scholarship offers from your university counselor. They're part of the supportive graduation team that takes a personalized approach to helping you achieve your academic goals walking alongside you every step of the way. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. For more info or to enroll, visit gcu.edu. Well, after looking at the report and after seeing, and don't forget, I did a house fire. I fired a lot of people, but the deep yeah. state goes deep. Hey, firing yeah. Comey was not, you know, that was, and I fired him very early. You know, a lot of people said, why did you wait so long? He was fired very, very early. And right. uh, it was a great firing. I'm telling you, uh, yeah. they were looking to do real bad. This was, this was a coup that they were looking at. These are sick people. And that was former President Trump on the Dan Bongino show. My guest today is Dan Bongino. So, Dan, Trump came on your show to talk about the Durham report, which is being almost universally ignored. It's a true travesty that it's being ignored, and it's genuinely infuriating. You know, to me, as a newswoman, 
um, who I openly admit I'm more right leaning and more likely to support any Republican than I am Joe Biden. Um, I still can cover Trump fairly. I can see what his flaws are. I can do it. But this is absolutely disgusting. And I have to say, I know Trump's prone to rhetoric, but that word coup is applicable. It actually is applicable. He didn't say violent coup. Yeah, he said coup, which is an unauthorized, illegal, illicit overthrow of a governing body. How how does that not apply? It tautologically applies. I mean, again, the lefties, I disregarded, you know, they they threw that out. I saw media, I, you know, left-wing organization go after him for that. But, you know, you say it uh, from a journalist perspective, uh, and I, I believe, you that, you know, w- w- that this does matter to you. I absolutely believe you. But think about it from my perspective for a moment. So, you know, you're a young Secret Service agent, right, on the Obama detail, whose, you know, daughter's crying at the door at, you know, nine years old because you're on your 300th trip to whatever in the last two years. You haven't been home in weeks um, and you have to hide the suitcase in the garage. So your daughter doesn't see the cab and the suitcase going out. Um, And you've done that for a Democrat, not only a Democrat president, but a Democrat president. You're absolutely convinced really hates the Constitutional Republic as it's constructed. But not only do you do your job, you do it well because it matters. And I swore an oath and we're not some third world republic. And then as the thing about the Secret Service, is we have two jobs. We're, you know, protection agents, but we're also federal investigators. I have never once in my life went to my boss and said, hey, we should or shouldn't arrest this guy because he's a Democrat or a Republican. So we're doing all this. And then I'm reading this report. And I, I think the most damning piece of the report, Margot Cleveland wrote about this in The Federalist the other day. Margot Cleveland wrote the most damning part is the fact that Durham says we don't need new rules. We don't need new rules. We need the FBI to act with integrity. That, that's a short. Think about what he's saying there. You have the most powerful federal law enforcement body practically anywhere in the world with a commission book, a badge and a gun to take your life, your freedom and your property and a special prosecutor with no dog in the fight who no one's questioned his bona fides before is saying they've got an integrity problem. Mm. What the what what are we, North Korea? Like that is unbelievable that he put that in the report. He must really believe that. So, you know, I'm a solutions oriented guy. That's why I asked the president that question, because, Megan, you're you use logic and reason in journalism. I use it in law enforcement and content uh, content production space. Now, if you're telling me integrity is an issue, issue, integrity comes from people or the lack thereof. You're telling me you have a personnel HR problem, correct? Which means you correct it by getting rid of the human resources and replacing them with other humans. So that's why I asked him that. Because you're never going to fix that problem. I mean, I'll tell you, just, just can I just, just quick story I yeah. told my radio show today. Here's why yeah. rules don't matter, okay? You're a lawyer. You'll understand this better than anyone. When I first got in the Secret Service and training, we were told, when you're doing a site or protection thing, there's a protest zone. The protesters got to stay in that zone. Megan, this went on for decades. We trained agents to do this. Finally, some very smart citizens said, wait, just because I got a paper sign, <laughs> Why can't I walk over there? No, no, this that's America. not the protest zone. Yeah, but but he can. And he sued. And the judge was like, what are you guys, crazy? There's no protest. America's a protest zone. Yes. And we lost. To the Secret Service's credit, the next day, an email went out to the entire service. You will, there will be absolutely no protest zones. They sent supervisors out to be sure because, and because they had integrity. And they said, we screwed up. I don't know why we were teaching this. It was just ridiculous. And they fixed it. But that's what good people do. 
You're telling me the FBI needed to be told, hey, um, we got an allegation from Russia about a PP tape or something. Has anyone seen it? No. Does anyone have a hotel receipt? Nope. Do we have a witness? No. And, and the response was, let's spy on the president of the campaign. And that's reasonable? <laughs> and you're telling me a new rule. You need a rule for that. Just to be clear, the rule is what? If you can't produce the actual PP tape, you needed a rule for that? You got to clean out the FBI, and I'm glad the president, at least on the show, and I have no reason to disbelieve him, said he was going to. Were you at Fox with the Comey firing? I'm, I'm, I'm not yes. sure what timeline was. Yes, you were. I was. But yeah, Megan, I still that believed was a in huge Comey. Story. I still at the, uh, when they fired him, when he fired him, I re- I still believed in the whole, you know, Comey Mueller brothership. These are noble public servants. I was still in the Fox FBI is good frame of mind. You remember when we used to you, be in I'm that. No, yeah, no, no, no. I, I remember being like, oh, you know, I think he's a good man. But I had questions about how he was handling Trump. I could see he was irregular and he seemed like an egomaniac. But I thought, no, he's nobly served the country. You know, defer to him. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah, well, that's that's very noble of you to say that. Most people just try to cover up their stuff. I don't. I screwed up a lot of things. I say on the show all the time, you know, I'm a sinner, man. I am. I'm, I'm like Charles Barkley back when the right guard commercial or whatever. Like, I'm not your... Don't look to me for some moral code, man. You'll see me out in the Stewart sandbar with tequila on Saturday, like partying with the best. I'm not your moral guide. I'm not. I tore it up at the Morgan Wallen concert last week. I'm not you, but I do believe in this country and I love this place. And I admit when I make mistakes and yeah, I'm going to be straight with you. That was a huge mistake. I mean, I, I had the same feeling about Mueller. I'm like, all right, if they're going to appoint someone, former Marine, like nobody really thought Mueller was a bad guy. But Megan, I'm really sorry. The guy was a bad guy with all due respect to his service. He, was. he knew he from was. the start that this, they had no evidence. Durham's made that crystal clear. Read the report. There was not any evidence Correct. in their holding. Any. And not they knew a little it. bit. There was a, and he did it anyway. And he just dragged yeah. the country through three years of hell. And I, I don't believe history is going to be kind to Mueller. I know liberals write the history books. But you know what? Here's the thing about that. Liberals write the history books in New York. I'm a New Yorker. And after a while, even the liberals had to admit that David Dinkins was an awful mayor. 3,000 people were being killed a year in the crack wars. They eventually had to come around and go, all right, Giuliani might have been crazy, but he was better than that guy. I don't think history is going to be kind to Mueller, Comey, or Brennan. Comey's about to go out on another book tour, too, so we're going to have to see a whole other round of that nonsense, although it could be fun to cover it, you know, in our jobs. Um, let me let me shift gears because you made reference to it, and I'm really wanting to talk to you about your health. So right around the time I launched this show, September 2020, is when I remember this happening. It was right out. I remember we were still just doing audio, no video on the show, and I I couldn't believe you seemed genuinely scared, and I was scared for you. And you got this bad yeah. diagnosis and it was very alarming. So tell us what happened and where you are now. Well, listen, I'm going to try not to get, I'm a real big wuss when it comes to this. So I'm going to do my best. There's only two things I can't talk about, which are this and my mother-in-law, because I get choked up. Not that I can't talk about it. I have no problem talking about it. I'm, it's hard for me of because course. I, you know, my entire life I have committed to doing the right thing by the body. The body's a temple, man. God gives you one of them. Don't disrespect it. You know, I, you know, I party a lot now. I'll drink some during the weekends, but never done drugs. Definitely never done any like hard drugs or anything like that. I haven't even thought about it. Uh, you know, I can lecture my kids with a pure heart on that kind of stuff. Work out religiously six days a week. 
cold plunges, sauna. I mean, you know, I got this aura ring on it because, oh, why do you mm -hmm. wear your wedding ring on the wrong hand sometimes? Because it's not a wedding ring. It's a biosensor ring. Yeah. Uh, like I'm obsessed with health. And then I'm grappling one day and my grappling coach, a jujitsu guy, we did some private lessons because I got tired of, you know, the young kids trying to like beat up the Fox guy. So we're downstairs. He chokes me out pretty good. So, I mean, really good. Like I'm out like stars, you know, I'm like, whoa, what just happened? So the next day I wake up and I'm getting ready to do Fox and Friends. It's like eight o'clock in the morning, whatever. And I'm shaving. It's about seven o'clock. You know, when you shave your face, you turn your head. And I'm like, what the hell is that lump on my neck? That's kind of weird. I started going back to Instagram and I'm like, gosh, that's been there for a long time. So I never go to doctors. I'm like, ah, no big deal. It's probably a fatty tumor. I got tons of them. But I decide maybe I'll go to, you know, when, you, when you're on Fox, like everybody wants to help you out, which you know, so you never have to wait for doctors anymore, which is it's one true. of the cool things about notoriety. You know, for every one person that drives you crazy in public, 50 people want to help you. So mm -hmm. I go to this local doctor, this guy, Steve, he's the head neck surgeon. I said, hey, man, I got to pop in. Can you just, you know, feel this thing? Tell me what it is. He's like, amigo. I think we got a problem, but I'm not okay. sure. So I'm not worried about it. I think it's a fatty tumor. He goes, I'm going to get you in the Cleveland clinic right away tomorrow. COVID's going on. So remember, nothing's open. He's, I'm going to get you in there tomorrow and you're going to get an MRI. So the MRI, the oncologist, the radiation oncologist is a Fox guy too. This guy, Todd. He's like, I'll, don't even worry. I don't have to read it. I'll go there in live time. I'm like, okay, great. Meets me there. I go in the machine. You know, they roll you in the MRI, big sound. You know, I'm in there 20 minutes, whatever. I come out and my head's in a cage because it can't move because they're looking at my neck. And I look up at Todd and uh, I said to him, this is where I get all turned up. I, 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 every time, because it's just such a, like a life-changing moment. I say to him, I said, uh, Doc, it's a fatty tumor, right? And he says, uh, you need to get dressed and come inside. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Like, what do you mean? So I go inside and there's a little room and he's reading it live. So I don't have to wait, you know, and he's like a fatty tumor would be gray or white. He says, that's your neck. And I said, well, that's pitch black. And he's like, yeah, it is. I said, what is that? He said, I don't know what it is. I can tell you what it isn't. It isn't a fatty tumor. And uh, I just, I don't know, man. I just lost it. I, I went out and I, I, I got to go. I, I just had to go. And I walked outside and I got my wife on the phone. I'm in my, my, my truck outside. And I said, I, I have a tumor in my neck. She's like a fatty tumor, right? I said, no, no, it's not. It's not a fatty tumor. And I don't think I, 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 I was devastated. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I went up and had it removed. It turned out to be a seven centimeter cancerous lymphoma tumor in my neck, which is a huge, yeah. enormous tumor. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I write this whole story in, in my in my next book. I mean, it's it's kind of it's a long chapter, but I, I think it's the best one because I writing it brought back all these memories. The gift but that's of a hard thing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then and, and, uh, it didn't Megan, it didn't really hit me any of it because it, God forbid this happens to anyone. If it happens, I, I, I pray to, it doesn't happen to anyone listening because it's just it's such a life changing moment. But it comes at you so fast. That, you know, the day before, Megyn Kelly's worried about her interview tomorrow. And then the next day, like, you know how this is, right? You're, you're like, yeah. oh, my God, am I going to be alive next year? So yeah. I'm coming back. Sean Hannity, by the way, help me out. In, Sean, if you're watching the show, oh. I, if someone sends this clip to you, I, I can't. I, I probably wouldn't be alive without Sean. I'm not even kidding. Oh, wow. Sean called probably every doctor in the tri-state. He's incredibly it, it generous. Oh my gosh. People have no idea the other side of this guy. None. That's Zero true. idea. 
I, mean, I had so many doctors calling me. I, I had to start ignoring them. He was calling everyone. He gets <laughs> me up into uh, Sloan Kettering. They cut this massive tumor out of my neck. Thankfully, they don't nick my vocal cords or anything. He gets the whole thing out. And this is a weak whirlwind. I never missed a podcast, by the way, which is totally what? bananas. Like, cause I'm so, I'm crazy. I know I'm totally nuts. My wife, I did it from the hotel room. You can go back and look. Oh They're still out there. So um, I'm coming back on the plane and you know, you know, the look in public, you know, you're famous, right? You know, the look when they, they recognize you, but I want to say, you know, the look, right. They give you like yeah, the nod, yeah, yeah. you know? So yeah, I'm like, getting yeah, yeah. on the plane and this guy, I would drive, we're flying back to Maryland and uh, this guy next to me to the right gives me the look, the Fox look like, Hey brother. And uh, so he knows maybe he doesn't say anything. And uh, about halfway through the flight, I start reading about lymphoma and it says 80% of people with lymphoma will live uh, more than five years. Now, if you got cancer, you're probably like, wow, those are great odds, 80%, right? That's not how I read it. I read it as 20% of people are dead in five years. And it hit me for the first time, like, holy shit, I could be dead in five years. And Megan, the waterworks, man, I just, I'm not talking about like a little cry, like a gum with the wind or something. I'm talking about like, I'm like, Paula, just give me like, take your shirt off or something because my face is so- John Boehner action. Oh, John Boehner action going. I mean, it's like turn the faucet on. And the guy looks at me, man, and he gives me the nod. Like, he knew the story. And he said, I got you. So I thanked that dude in the book. I, I never met him. I, he didn't even say anything. But I, I just thought about the weirdest things going home. It struck me for the first time that I could die. Like, I just thought I was like immortal. I know that's dumb. We all have an expiration date, but I don't want to know what it is. Yeah, and, and I'm driving home to my house and they're building this movie theater complex near us. And the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm not going to see my youngest daughter ever get out of grammar school or have a boyfriend or anything like that. And I'm not going to, this is like so weird when you think you're going to, the stupid stuff that comes to mind, that's like the most serious thing ever, right? Your daughter. And then it occurred mm -hmm. to me next, wow, I'll never see what that movie's going to look like, a movie theater. Like this is the crazy shit that goes through your head. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life. So, you know, people ask me now, they say, hey, you know, you're pretty cavalier. You do your own thing on the radio. You got these beefs, all these people. It's because, pardon the language, I give zero fucks. I really mm -hmm. don't. I don't care what you say to me. I'm living my life. I'm doing what I think is right. If I fuck it up and it's wrong, I'll fix it. And that's fine. But I'm not taking advice from some dumbass at some company. Oh, you need to say this or be diplomatic about that. I don't need to be diplomatic about shit. I got through that. And let me tell you, my life has never been the same since. You know, seize the day, man, because you have no idea how many you have left. When you come out of that MRI machine and God forbid someone tells you what that guy told me, that whole, you don't give a shit about your guests tomorrow on your podcast. You care about your kids, your life, yeah. your dog, your husband, and everything else. And that changes everything for you. Dan, clean bill of health now? Yeah, I, I you know, the, the chemo, unfortunately, is really bad. Um, I had ABVD chemo and it rips up your heart pretty good. So my heart was never the same. I mean, my HRV score was a heart thing, whatever, but um, I follow all this stuff. I mean, I went from a, the higher numbers, the better. I went from like a 60 and a 70. I had I mean, I did CrossFit type stuff. It's like a 12 or a 15 now. So your heart, you're always at risk. And then I've had so many scans, you actually run a risk of getting cancer from the scans. Mm. So now I'm at that point in my life, I've been two years clean in remission now with this, where you have to start making like devil's bargains. You know, do you get a scan that could actually yeah. give you cancer or, you know, do you chance it and just hope you'll live? 
But um, I'll tell you what, Megan. You see, now I'm getting it's such a great my producer Key's like, gosh, she's so freaking good at this. Um, <laughs> you know, you are. You're very talented. Now you're giving me the credit. You're doing all the work. No, uh, no, no, no. You know, you just you got to pull it out of people. It, you know, I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it anymore. I don't, and I don't say that with some faux bravado and not chest puffing, but I don't need to do that. Um, I don't. You're living I, the life you want to live. Yeah, I'm living the life I want to live. And, I, you it's know, everything. I, I, I believe in, in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if his mission for me is over soon, then you know what? It's over, man. And I went out and I did it like Frankie Sinatra, man. You know, mm-hmm. I did it my way. And that was it. And I'm good with that. Dan, I have a feeling you're going to be with us for a long, long time. And I for one am so grateful. You've always been a dear friend. You're a great, great newsman, commentator, pundit, activist. Um, thank you for your service to our country. And thank you that for continuing that service. That's what you're doing every day. You're continuing that service. Love you. Love to your family. Wait, before we go, I just want to say yeah. on the record, that is the most enjoyable interview I have ever done. <laughs> In oh. podcast, TV, news, radio, written, print, <laughs> skywriting, unbelievable job. That was a <laughs> lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you soon. Oh, my gosh. He was amazing. That was so great. Oh, I'm going to have to sit with that one for a while. It's so good to see him again, be able to talk to him. Very frustrating. We couldn't talk when he was at Fox. They have the weird rules. So this is the beginning of something new and fun now that he's a free man. Um, And speaking of free men, on Monday, we have another first-time guest who is another huge new media voice, and that is Charlie Kirk, first time on the program. I've been on his show. He's never been on mine, but he will appear on Monday. We're looking forward to that. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.